Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Cowboy Up, the Oklahoma State baseball podcast. I hope that you guys are as ready for this episode today as I am. Today, the show is going to be a little bit unique. Um, We're going to be listening in on a little bit of audio of Coach Ward, Coach Gary Ward, talking about the art of hitting. So that'll be extremely unique. I hope that you guys really enjoy the audio that I'm going to play for you on that. Um, And then right after that, we're going to introduce another brand new segment to the show called Ranch Hand Spotlight. Um, We're going to focus in on one of our former Cowboys uh, who is now in the minors and give you guys an update and all the statistics and numbers and what's going on with that particular player. So again, hope you all enjoy the episode today. Let's Cowboy Up. Folks are still buzzing, not just here in Oklahoma, but all over the country, over Sunday's Bedlam double feature in Stillwater. It wasn't a baseball doubleheader. It was a baseball game with an intermission in the middle for a boxing match. And it makes the hands relax and just cradle it. Rod Carew used the leg set a lot. Great hitter with the Angels and Twins. He just laid the bat down, and then as he moved, he brought the bat into play, but he can maintain relaxation. Movement in the hands is acceptable. If movement is relaxed. The 1-1. One, one. There's a drive deep to left. Forget about it. Goodbye. Way gone into the South Carolina night. Home run, Connor Costello. Oh, I got a hanging breaking ball out over the plate. Hopefully it knocked out the window on our rent car. Huge bomb. The stretch. The pitch. There's a drive to left field and deep. Going back as Roman. Still going back, 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 back. And goodbye. Gone. We often get complaints from professional baseball scouts who say, boy, your hitters look a lot alike. The reason they look a lot alike is because they all use their legs, and it's that gum unusual that they do look a little different than other folks. We take pitches in our legs, and so many people take pitches in their hands, and we do look a little different. We are very disciplined because we're able to get information off the ball, and we're able to take some pitches. Well, most of this comes from dealing with the touch system because we're getting tension out of these guys' hands. The war continues here. The 3 2. It's one there's a line drive left center. That is in the gap. And Arab took it on his way to third. David Shannon, they're waving him home. Here comes the throw. No! He passed the relay. The Cowboys win. Take a thousand dry swings a day. Put it on your plan of action. Say, I'm going to take a hundred dry swings before I eat breakfast, before I turn on the television set, before I call Sally Sue and ask her for a date. Here's the windup and the 3-2 pitch. It is a fastball hit high in the air to dead center field way back. It is gone. A dead center field home run by Ingram going to tie the game 2-2. Wide over the stretch. And the pitch. That was hit deep to left field. Going, going, and goodbye. Way gone. Three-run home run. Caught it Thoreau. The Cowboys lead it nothing. We see hitters jerk and spasm and grunt, and they always destroy some semblance of balance and fluidity and movement to the ball. This is a graceful science. How about this? Two nights in a row, the Braves were so close to going to the World Series. 2-1 delivery. Roman Ventura, the Mets win! 4-3! There will be a game six! Pitch, swing and a miss! Started on the mound. Got a big time quality start today by Brett Stanley. Turn it over to Bass 
So a huge double play left on left to getting a great hitter in Darius Hill at a 3-1 game. And then right there, Battenfield probably a little bit on fumes. Throws that ugly one up there and gets the strikeout. All right, as we jump right into today's episode, again, we're going to listen in on Coach Gary Ward talking about hitting, and I really wanted to go ahead and give an introduction to Gary Ward. Now, don't uh, don't get your hopes up. I did not get him for an interview, but we do have a very interesting segment of audio that I'm going to play to you guys uh, during this episode, but just to give an introduction to Coach Ward and all of the amazing things that he was able to accomplish while he was at Oklahoma State. Um, especially on the hitting side of things. Of course, you know, we all know, or most of us know about these records that I'm about to run through, but whenever you put all of them together, it's really pretty unbelievable what Coach Ward was able to accomplish um, during his time in Stillwater. Um, Most of us know about the national record 16 consecutive conference championships in the Big 8 from 1981 to 1996. Um, We also know about the national record of seven consecutive uh, appearances in the College World Series. I believe that was from 81 through 87. Um, Those two records right there uh, might be just as unbreakable as the the next records that I'm going to bring up. Um, Baseball America's Player of the Century, Pete Incavillia, played under Ward while at Oklahoma State. We all know that from 83 to 85. And of course, Pete Ingevillia holds some of the most unbreakable records in college baseball history, starting with 48 home runs uh, during the regular season of 1985. Um, he also holds the record for the most RBIs in a season in 1985, and also the highest OPS um, ever recorded in college baseball history again in 1985. He also holds the record for career home runs. I believe um, that wound up at exactly 100 home runs for his career um, at Oklahoma State as a Cowboy. That is also a uh, an NCAA record. Um, of course, we also know that under uh, Coach Ward's tutelage, The Golden Spikes Award recipient for 1988 was Robin Ventura. Um, Also, Baseball America's Player of the Year uh, in 1985 was Incavillia and was Robin Ventura in 1987. Sporting News Player of the Year um, under Gary Ward, 1982, Robbie Wine won that. And then 87 and 88, both years, Robin Ventura won it. Um, two Olympic gold medalists um, played for Ward during his time in Stillwater, 1984, Gary Green, and then uh, again in 1988, Robin Ventura. And then some, some team statistics and, uh, and, and records here. Uh, national individual RBI leader under Ward. Um, we had the national individual RBI leader in 1984, 85, 86, 87, 88, 1990, 1991, and 1995. And then we also um, were number one in the country in team runs scored in 85, 86, 87, 88, 90, 95, and 96. And then I'll go ahead and throw in, we also led the country in runs scored in 1999, which of course our head coach then was Tom Holliday um, as Gary Ward retired after the 1996 season. So that just gives you an idea of how historic his career was while in Stillwater. Um, I really hope uh, that you guys view this as a treat today. I know that I do. 
So let's go ahead and listen in on uh, Coach Gary Ward uh, talking about the art of hitting. This again is probably for the shorter arm type guy because again, I feel a little too restricted. I'm so long armed, I must up. But I got a guy that's got 32 inch slave lengths and I'll work here. For an example, Inc. Cavilla worked here. You'll notice today as you watch him play with the Rangers, he still likes his hands right in here. We often get complaints from professional baseball scouts who say, boy, your hitters look a lot alike. The reason they look a lot alike is because they all use their legs and it's that gum unusual that they do look a little different than other folks. We take pitches in our legs. And so many people take pitches in their hands. And we do look a little different. We are very disciplined because we're able to get information off the ball and we're able to take some pitches. Well, most of this comes from dealing with the touch system because we're getting tension out of these guys' hands. We're identifying which touch system works best. Pete found this his best. He said, I can feel my hands here, coach, and I can't turn loose without tearing my shirt. And he said, I know I'm giving up my power, but I can begin to feel that sequence. And we talked to Pete and Cavilla. We talked about flow down, turn out. Stride takes me down, back knee brings me out. Take a look at it in your picture. Stride takes me down, power base, back knee brings me out. Boom. And he began to feel that connection. Stride takes me down, back knee brings me out, then release. Lever assembly's in position then release. He gave him sequence and connection. Mark Poole played five years with Toronto as a catcher, hit 298 his last year. Nobody ever thought Mark Poole would play a lot of pro ball or play as a major leaguer. He's now back finishing his degree, coaching as an assistant coach at Oklahoma State University. I remember Poole when he first came to me out of Glendale Community College, and I'm a great believer in junior college baseball. Some fine programs out there, some fine quality players in junior colleges. We continue to recruit them. My 81 club had nine different junior college players represented, nine different junior college programs represented, and all were a game away from a national championship. So players are everywhere. We find uh, Poole at Glendale Community College in Arizona, and he's a strong, squatty body type guy who just had a lot of action, a lot of casting, a lot of casting for the bass, a lot of club head speed, wasted back in here, and he found it comfortable, uncomfortable here, and he moves up and all of a sudden right here, bang. He found connection, he found feel, he found relaxation, and all of a sudden he found power. I had a guy that wasn't thought to be a great hitter, and yet he was a very dominant hitter in 1981. Caught every ball game in the College World Series, and, and Arizona State beats us, I think, 6-3, 7-4, something for a national title. And Poole was really a force offensively, basically because of a touch system, just learning to get the hands in a proper area. Again, a short, stocky-bodied guy. Touch system number three. In here, you will find a lot of people using this. And again, notice that this may be uh, a little further back, midpoint, top. Now we're moving back, and we're just laying it on the shoulder. You'll see that uh, a lot of major league hitters will, will just touch the shoulder and pick the bat up. They need that feel. They need to be aware of where the barrel is. So many of us don't know what the barrel is doing when we get into hitting action. We lock in on the pitch. We turn and look for the pitch and we just forget what the hands are doing and they get active and destroy any, any opportunity to be in sequence. So this is just laying on the shoulder and relaxing the elbows down. Stride, back knee, stride, back knee, back elbow, come into the slot, release, one, two, three, four. Feel sequence, feel it. Take a thousand dry swings a day. Put it on your plan of action. Say, I'm gonna take a hundred dry swings before I eat breakfast, before I turn on the television set, before I call Sally Sue and ask her for a date. I'm going to take a hundred dry swings and I'm going to feel connection and sequence. Now you move into a little bit longer armed hitter. Touch number, touch number four is on the back of the shoulder. 
below the point, not on above it, it's back here where I can pull against it. I can then turn and I can feel my lead arm pull against it and it will stay in touch with the back of the shoulder until the back knee triggers. One, two, belly button to the pitch, bang. Okay. This is the one I would use, being this long arm. Longer arm hitters, Monty Ferris, who is a junior uh, All-American preseason, 23 home runs last year. When Monty has a problem, we take him back to touch four. Touch three example, if I go back a step, you watch Cal Ripken next year. Ripken will touch just before the pitch comes, he'll just pick it up. He'll touch, just pick it up. He may get quite a ways away from his body, but he always uses the touching action to keep himself familiar with where his body is. Touch four, long-armed hitter. Touch five, where you're trying to really get relaxation now. And I'm gonna turn as if I, the, the pitcher is directly in front of me, and you're the umpire, and I'm gonna point the bat directly back to you and lay it in what we call a total lag, L-A-G, a total lag set. Now, I guarantee you, I can't hold this with any tension. It's as totally relaxed as it can get. And I move to the ball right here, boom. It is for longer arm people to feel the bat totally relaxed, pointed directly back to the catcher. And it makes the hands relax and just cradle it. Rod Carew used the lag set a lot. Great hitter with the Angels and Twins. He just laid the bat down and then as he moved, he brought the bat into play, but he can maintain relaxation. Movement in the hands is acceptable if movement is relaxed. It's not bad to move, but it's, it's always bad to move tense. We see hitters jerk and spasm and grunt, and they always destroy some semblance of balance and fluidity and movement to the ball. This is a graceful science. It's a smooth, relaxed movement. Bang. Test system number six is new to us the last three or four years. We take the back elbow, we preset it against the rib cage. Against the rib cage, right here. Put the bat in it. This is power collector number one. And we're going to just work from there. It's a little stiff, but for guys who have problems in burying the back elbow. I see my elbow come out back here. A lot of hitters bury the back elbow or they rotate and they get their arms way back in here and they can't get them out without circling. Well, our touch is to get this back elbow right here, inside, already up the power alley a couple of steps, and then set right in here, stride, maintain contact with the back of the arm, back of the arm, with the chest area. This would be very difficult for some people to do, but not us skinny guys. And move to the ball and pop. Feeling the pressure of the power collector stay that close. Now, obviously, in any one of the six touch systems, we don't necessarily want to leave the hitter there, but we have found great success with several hitters other than Poole or Incavillia or Monty Ferris in getting in touch with the body, becoming kinesthetically aware of where the body is and what's being touched by the bat so that they do not bring tension to the hands as a part of gears number one and two, power base establishment and back knee trigger. We get those two babies going, and if you can just not kill the baby bird, the baby bird's still living somewhere in touch one, touch two, touch three, touch four, touch five lag, touch six back elbow against the chest, somewhere in there I'm going to find a workable area where you're gonna be able to cradle the baby bird and feel sequence. Stride, back knee, boom. Bat's traveling through here. 
All right, everybody. I really hope that you enjoyed that as much as I did whenever I listened to it the first time. Uh, the the detail that Coach Ward talks about in The Art of Hitting is just absolutely amazing. There's no doubt he's one of the more unique coaches uh, to ever coach the game at any level of baseball. And uh, it, it was absolutely amazing to have him in Stillwater for as long as we did. We are truly blessed as Cowboy fans and very fortunate that Coach Ward decided to come to Stillwater in the first place and then stayed for so long. Uh, So hats off to him for an unbelievable career uh, as the head man of Oklahoma State Cowboy Baseball for so long uh, in the late 70s, stretching all the way into uh, the mid nineties. So now we're going to go ahead and move on to a different segment of the show for cowboy up today. Uh, this segment, we're going to call it ranch hand spotlight. Going to be taking a look at some former cowboys, um, that are now in the majors. And usually I think during this segment, we'll just cover one at a time today. Uh, the former cowboy that we're going to be talking about is Peyton Battenfield, the younger brother of Blake Battenfield. Uh, Blake Battenfield was on that 2014 Big 12 championship team. Uh, I believe 2015 missed most of the year due to injury, was able to bounce back um, and be a really effective arm for us in 2017, and was really a big piece of that 2017 team winning the Big 12 tournament title. If I remember right, his start against Texas Tech in the very first game of the Big 12 tournament that year was absolutely phenomenal, was able to shut him out. Uh, So obviously Blake Battenfield had a tremendous career as a Cowboy, but now we're going to talk about his younger brother, Peyton Battenfield, who stepped onto campus 2017, and uh, his final year as a Cowboy was 2019. And I think the thing that stands out the most to me for Peyton is the fact that during his entire career as a Cowboy, his progression was just so consistent. Um, his freshman year, you could see that he had some tools, some some things to work with there. Didn't, on the statistics side, did not have a great year as a true freshman. Got a lot better as a sophomore. Pitched some really important innings for us in 2018, allowing us to advance to the NCAA tournament again and then to a a regional final uh, down in Florida, and of course that team also finished second in the Big 12, Um, so he was a really big piece out of the bullpen for that particular team, and then 2019, uh, he was really, really great for us out of the bullpen. He, I think, registered um, five saves that particular year, if I'm remembering right, Um, he was really big for us, finished his junior year in 2019 with a 3.28 ERA. So each and every year he just got better and better. And what we've seen so far is that that has carried right on through into the minor leagues as well. Um, last year was a really big year in the minors for Peyton. Um, he pitched, I believe across three different level levels, um, and ended up registering overall, a 2.53 ERA. I believe he started out in uh, Class A Advanced in Bowling Green, um, wound up 2-0 there with a 1.45 ERA. Wasn't very long before he was moved up to AA with those types of numbers. Um, In AA, Montgomery uh, wound up 3-0 with a 2.72 ERA, so he continued that success on to AA, which 
you know, there's a lot of baseball people out there that would agree with me on this, that your biggest jump in the minors is usually going to be from A or even A advanced to double A, that that from A advanced to double A is a much bigger jump than it is from double A to triple A and possibly even AAA to the majors. So you've got your biggest jump for all of these guys that is always the the most challenging for them is going to be that jump from A ball to AA. And of course, Peyton Battenfield was able to do that successfully. He wound up traded um, in the middle of the 2021 season. Uh, I believe he wound up in the Indians organization. He Started out in the Astros organization, I believe, and then wound up traded to the Indians organization in the middle of the year. Of course, now, I guess they're going to be called the Cleveland Guardians, but don't get me started on that. I won't say anything more about that. I'm, I'm, uh, I definitely have a lot of enthusiasm for baseball tradition, so not real wild about that. But anyway, um, so under um, Akron, let's see, that would have been the double A team for the Indians, the Akron, I believe it's called the Rubber Ducks. <laughs> um, he was able to continue that success with them as well, um, wound up two and one there with a 3.28 ERA, if I'm seeing all of this correctly. And uh, so wound up with a, a total ERA among two different levels and three different teams, 2.53 ERA. Uh, he wound up with 103 innings pitched. He uh, wound up total 7-1. and one. So it looks like he started 19 games, 103 innings pitched. So he had a really uh, decent workload last year. And uh, his ERA, of course, was very, very good. Wound up with a .825 whip. Uh, for the entire season for 2021 across those two levels. In case y'all are not familiar with that, whip for a, for a pitcher is walks and hits per innings pitched. So it adds up those walks and hits uh, per, per uh, inning pitched. So 0.825, that's a pretty much an elite level right there. It's not very often that you see a whip that low for any pitcher at any level. So he did really, really well uh, limiting base runners. Did a great job in that particular category. And uh, let's see, I'm trying to see if I can figure out how many strikeouts he had for the entire year. Here it is. He had 131 strikeouts, again, in 103 innings pitch. So that's pretty decent. That's pretty good. And uh, one of the things that I noticed as he is, was a cowboy was that the increased movement on all of his pitches was there from year to year. Uh, every single year, his movement was increasing. Um, he wasn't necessarily a high-velocity guy while in Stillwater. I think he was pumping it, you know, 90, 91 or so whenever he left, if I'm remembering correctly. But one of the things that I did read uh, this last season was that he had bumped up his velocity while in the minors last year, and I think he was pretty much consistently throwing 92 to 94. So, uh, so you know, Peyton Battenfield just continues his progression. He has worked really hard to get where he's at, and if he bounces back and comes back for either double-A AA or triple-A, he might have a shot at making the triple-A team for the Guardians this upcoming season right out of spring training. So if he continues to put up these types of numbers, it won't surprise me at all to see him bumped up to the majors pretty soon. So hats off to Peyton Battenfield, the very first uh, Ranch Hand Spotlight segment on Cowboy Up. I hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode. 
Um, hope all of you are doing very well out there and, and uh, ready for the new year. So y'all take care.